Welcome to the Together Sober Podcast. I am your host, Louise Barnett, former Fortune 100 Global Sales Director turned Jay Shetty Accredited Life Coach. Each week, we will provide you a safe space of guidance, empathy, accountability, and support, helping you to find effortless sobriety and mental peace. Before we get started, you guys, please, please, please make sure to hit that subscribe button, like this episode, and rate and review the Together Sober podcast. This is actually the only way that we can grow organically to start impacting more and more lives to find lasting sobriety and mental peace. There's not a single individual that could claim to have the same journey as another individual when it comes to sobriety, addiction, mental illness, mental health, etc. But what I have found and consolidated is a list of 12 sobriety truths. And these are lessons that I have learned personally and that I've also learned just immersing myself in the sobriety culture that I believe to ring true for everybody. And for me, had I known some of these lessons when I was going through my own personal journey, I believe that I could have expedited my recovery. And so my hope today is to present you these 12 sobriety truths so that you can expedite or shorten even just by a day, uh, your journey to sobriety. So we're not going to waste any time. The first one is very simple. You are exactly where you are meant to be. So stop looking around, stop asking yourself, you know, why everything is such a shitstorm right now. Like it is supposed to be if it is right now. If you are feeling overwhelmed, if you feel like the world is caving in on you, if you feel like everything is happening to you at once and how could you possibly even think about getting sober, that's great. Embrace that feeling. That is where you are meant to be. You are meant to be in that chaos, in that distress. You're meant to be there. If things are feeling easy, if they're feeling like effortless, if, if they're feeling like, wait a second, my life used to be chaos and now I just feel like it's quiet. You're also exactly where you were meant to be in that moment. So please know that today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow, right? And yesterday was yesterday. And each of those are uniquely different. The second sobriety truth is that everyone's journey is uniquely different. And I am obsessed with the Teddy Roosevelt quote that comparison is the thief of joy. I'm obsessed with it because it rings so true on so many different levels, but especially as we relate it back to the sobriety world and the sobriety culture. Your journey is uniquely different. You cannot look around to anybody that you see and try to compare yourself to their journey because it simply will, it doesn't match. It doesn't fit. It's like putting a, what is it, a round, a square peg in a round hole. It, it does not fit. Now, all that said, is there value to being influenced and listening to other people's journeys and other people's stories? 
Absolutely. That is literally the mission of Together Sober Podcast is to create survival guides out of our collective stories. When we go to um, AA meetings, right, we're hearing people's stories, people's experiences. So there are always lessons and value that can be taken from other people's journeys, but be very careful. It's a very fine line not to start comparing yourself to that person's journey. We all came from different places. We are all tackling this sobriety thing at different phases in our life. And we're all trying to go to different places as well, right? We all have different goals for ourselves. And so if you can do your best to use the influence, listen to people's stories to help educate yourself, uh, but stay away from that comparison game because it it truly is the thief of joy meaning it is going to suck the joy and happiness out of your own experience and you'll you'll most likely start to feel bad about yourself right like if you start if you see somebody and oftentimes we compare ourselves to people who are more successful than ourselves so say if you're a day counter um i don't think i've done an episode on day counting but i don't i don't necessarily believe in counting days i don't have anything against it it's just not something that i felt served me but say you're both at like 90 days for example you and this person that you're comparing yourself to and this person that you're comparing yourself to just it seems effortless they're able to go out with their friends they've even gone to a couple parties and bars and like you're literally sitting there with crippling anxiety wondering how you're going to make it through the day so so ask yourself you know how is it serving you to compare yourself to this person it's not it's not serving you everybody's journey is uniquely different and you are exactly where you are meant to be so one and two kind of go together number three i'm really going to get on my soapbox about here this shit is not easy so let me say that again this shit is not easy it is not meant to be easy it's not easy and i say this because i my heart breaks because i see so many people i have so many people coming to me asking me you know i'm on day 30 like why hasn't my anxiety gone away or i'm on day 14 why am i still craving sugar right um guys if this stuff was meant to be easy everybody would be doing it one in ten people suffer from some kind of struggle with addiction to alcohol one in ten people are not getting sober from alcohol right in fact uh, statistics show, I think I said this in the teaser episode, that 70% of individuals who are striving for sobriety have some kind of relapse in their experience getting sober. So it is not easy. And I think it's really, I just, I feel like so many people go about tackling sobriety, obviously for so many reasons, right? Because we are all uniquely different, but a lot of us start going out, adopting sobriety, thinking that we're gonna very quickly, almost magically 
reap all of these benefits, right? We're going to lose weight. We're going to, our skin is going to look amazing. My gut is going to be cleaner. I'm going to be much more calmer. I'm going to reduce the amount of anxiety and depression that I have. My relationships are going to get better. My career is going to grow. All of these things, literally the list goes on and on and on and on. And it's like, if these things we're, we're, we're an instant gratification culture, right? And I think the same applies for sobriety. When people are not getting that instant gratification from the sobriety, they get frustrated and they give up. And it is so important with any goal that you have to envision the suck. Okay. And if what I mean by that is I want you, if you're starting out today, if you started out last week, it doesn't matter. Start to just envision how challenging this journey actually is going to be. And the reason I'm asking you to do that, it's not because I'm a negative person. The reason I'm asking you to do that is because I want you to set realistic expectations for yourself. So I want you to picture the day when you are triggered so fucking badly that literally your body and your skin is crawling inside of you. And you, all you want to do is rip your eyes and rip your skin off because you just want a fucking drink. Picture that. Don't picture the 10 pounds you lost on the scale. Don't picture how clear your skin looks. Picture the struggle because if you can realistically set yourself up along that path to envision the struggle, guess what? All of those amazing things I talked about are going to happen and they will fall into place. But you need to prepare yourself for the realistic journey that this is. And it is not easy and it is not meant to be easy or everybody would be doing it. <sighs> Number four, ditching the booze is a temporary change. What I mean by this is it is amazing that you are tackling your sobriety. And I, I do not want to discourage that whatsoever. But what I mean by this is if all we are doing is tackling sobriety, if all we are doing is removing the alcohol, then we're not really getting to the, to the root or the cause of the problem, right? So if all we're doing is removing the alcohol, let's use the example of dry January. This is a really good example to, to describe this. So how many of you like raise your hand right now, um, you know, December's coming along and you're like, oh my gosh, I need the cleanse. I just need to take a break. Like I am totally doing dry January. I can't wait. That was me, by the way, for several years. I, I did dry, dry January, I think four or five years in a row. And so what did I do? I cleaned the house out of alcohol, you know, didn't really go out too much or it was like only 30 days. So I would tell everybody like, no, I'm doing dry January. I'm not drinking. And I would kind of publicize it. That's always been my style. And then I do that I don't know, like with flying colors. Like I'm like feeling good. I start to like feel my body being less bloated and start to feel some of those first benefits that you do start to feel in the first 30 days. And then what happens on February 1st? What happens? My guess is that like the very first second that you feel it's appropriate, you're having a drink or maybe you're getting shit faced, right? Um, for me, I usually just got shit faced. Um, some years I made it to the, like on the 31st and I'm like, oh, that's good enough. Like, let's go. Right. And so what I'm saying by this is, well, alcohol is a huge piece of the puzzle. 
It's really important that you start to identify the other areas of your life that need addressing and really start to just, I'm going to say scratch the surface here because it's a lot to eliminate alcohol. That is no small feat, right? We just said in step three, it's not easy. So but just to be aware that simply by cutting out alcohol, you're not cutting out the addiction, I guess is just a short way of, of this, of this truth here. Number four, right? If all you're doing is cutting away alcohol, you're not really doing anything to cut away your addictive behaviors and addictive behaviors are, are deep seated. They're rooted. We're going to talk about it later. So just be aware of that. If the only thing you're doing is removing alcohol from your equation, most likely you're going to find yourself in a, a a relapse, if I'm just being completely honest here. <sighs> number five kind of goes hand in hand with number four. Everlasting change requires the inner work. So here's what I'm talking about, right? For if, if every single person trying to find sobriety, the only problem was alcohol, I think we would all su succeed like with flying colors, right? If the, if the only issue was a physical addiction to alcohol, we would all be able to, uh, even just use willpower, right? Like I don't really believe in willpower, but we would probably just be able to use that to get rid of that habit of drinking alcohol. But that's the problem is that the reason we have gotten ourselves to the place where we are with our relationship to alcohol is because we have work to do that far exceeds, is goes far above and beyond just the problem of the alcohol itself. So I just did an interview um, in Todd's story. You can go back a couple episodes. It was episode six um, where, you know, he talked about this idea that he had almost five puzzle pieces, right? Anxiety, depression, ADHD, addiction, suicide. And, you know, he said, I didn't tackle them all at once, right? He said, I think the reason I was successful in it was because I could tackle it one at a time. And then over time, it created this, this full puzzle or this full, full being, if you will. So start to just gain awareness. And, you know, for him, he did boot the, the substances first. Um, and then I have clients and I talk to individuals who they actually start doing the inner work first. For me, I started doing the inner work first. I did not give alcohol the boot first. I recognized that there was a problem in my life and that my life was crumbling to pieces and i started doing the inner work or what i call personal development work first and then i got rid of alcohol so there's no right way to do this there's no wrong way to do it but you do need to be aware that if you want this everlasting change your relationship to be better your career to grow your relationship with your children to be better your physical health to be better that you need to do the inner work and this is the stuff that we put off for too long. Number six, you are not alone. And I mean this, you are not alone. If you are not part of a community or have not subscribed to some kind of community and you are struggling with your relationship to alcohol, I beg of you, I plead with you, please find one. There's no right answer here. Um, obviously, we all know alcohol is anonymous. We know that there are so many platforms online, different Facebook groups that you can subscribe to. Some of them for women. Some of them allow you to really just truly be anonymous if that's important to you. Um, Together Sober Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group, and it has the same mission as this podcast. 
is to create survival guides out of our collective stories. So find a community that works for you. If it's in person, a lot of, there's a local chapter to your AA you can find, but you are not alone. And most importantly, you are not meant to go through this journey alone. There's no ego here, right? It doesn't like, it's not going to make you a better or stronger person because you went through your sobriety journey on your own without support. That does not make you a better person. It makes you a person with ego. And we all do this differently. We all do this in different phases, I would say. In the beginning of my sobriety journey, when I did give up alcohol, um, I dove into literature. So I, I dove into reading books and reading memoirs and reading stories. I dove into podcasts, listening to people's stories. It's a huge reason why I've started this podcast. And then I dove into the Facebook groups because I was a little bit shy of putting my name out there. And I, I did want the anonymity for a little while, but eventually I felt the pull from the universe that I needed to share my story. And so that's why I started joining the groups. And now they are an active part of my daily recovery. Number seven, feel all the feelings. Yeah. This one kind of sucks too. Um, because <laughs> if you're anything like me, you were numbing and masking and hiding a lot of these feelings for years, decades. And in the beginning, and it's different for everybody, but in the beginning for me, everything was euphoric. And I was on that pink cloud that we hear about. And I was proclaiming my sobriety to the world. I think I got sober in the month of May. And in the month of August, I shared my story publicly on an online platform. And that's actually when I received such overwhelming response that I kind of changed the trajectory of my life and realized what I should be doing. But you know, that euphoria lasted a really long time. And then it kind of just hit me out of nowhere. Like, bam. And I started to just feel so many feelings and emotions. And I started to behave in ways that I describe almost as like an alien takeover. Like, uh, anger and rage that I have never been an angry person. I've never been a vengeful or rageful person. And it was just like, everything just started to take over me. And I describe it now as Pandora's box. I, I opened up sobriety, which in turn opened up this Pandora's box of emotions. And it, it is still to this day and forever for the rest of my life, my responsibility to feel all of these feelings and not use other ways of masking, numbing and hiding, right? Anger is a gateway. Anger is a way of masking. Masking what? Masking trauma, masking anxiety, masking depression. So I am tasked now, as we all are, with feeling all of these feelings. 
And again, I urge you not to do this alone. I urge you to seek professional help. I urge you to seek a coach, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a group, somebody that you can trust to help you and guide you through all of these feelings because they sometimes come up when you least expect them and they can take you off guard and they can set you off track. And even if you maintain your sobriety, they can set you off track for days or weeks at a time. And it's our responsibility to navigate them and figure out how we can feel them for what they are and move on. So I wish I had all the answers here, but it's, it's, something I'm still working on um, big time uh, with feeling all of my feelings. If you want to know what I do for support, I'm happy to share with you. I have a psychiatrist that I see anywhere from every two to four weeks, depending on what's going on. I have a DBT therapist, psychiatrist that I see once a week for an hour in person and I attend a group DBT session once a week for two hours. And I also meet with a neurofeedback therapist once a week for one hour. And this is all around sobriety truth number seven. I'm working on feeling all my feelings, right? and digging up a lot of the past. So um, that is just what I'm doing, just so that you know and have a sense of that. Um, and then I personally see, right, I, I take clients um, who are working on really number seven exactly, to feel all these feelings, right? I don't typically work with individuals who are trying to ditch the booze or trying to get free from alcohol. Um, but it's really this step here that we dive deep into. Number eight is you don't have to hit rock bottom to get sober. This one applies to a lot of people. I think that, and I talked about it in a previous episode, but a lot of people are playing the comparison game, quite frankly, when it comes to their relationship with alcohol. And, you know, if you've ever thought to yourself like, oh, well, I don't drink as much as she does, or I don't need to drink in the morning. I'm totally fine. I could stop anytime. These are comments that we're really just making to justify our own behaviors. And this is, I said this in the episode, like it has nothing to do with how much you drink or how often you drink. The only thing that matters is that you want to change your relationship to alcohol. You could drink once a week and feel like that is not serving you. And if you feel like that's not serving you, then you can change your relationship to alcohol. So this is why I'm saying you don't have to hit rock bottom to get sober. You just have to identify that your relationship with alcohol is not serving you right now in this moment in time. Number nine, you will keep your real friends and have fun. So I think it's episode seven. I think it's seven, seven or eight. Um, no, seven or nine. Um, that talks about, will I ever have fun again? And I'll repeat myself here from the episode, but what I say to everyone 
that asks me this question is yes, you will absolutely 100% keep all of your friends. Then why don't I have any friends, Louise? Because they weren't your real friends to begin with. It's a very cruel process, but it's also the best part that comes out of sobriety. One of the best parts is that you do discover who your real relationships are um, and who really matters. And if you were like me, you know, I surrounded myself by people that just loved to party. And this is kind of what their identity was. And I did that for 20 years. So it's no surprise that when I got sober, a lot of these people kind of just disappeared to the wayside. Um, because the reality was that that was our relationship. That's what it was made of. There was nothing more. So it sucks. And, you know, I'm here in a new state in a new home now, you know, figuring out how to make friends, but at least I know that I'm making them in a real authentic way, which is really cool. And same with having fun. I urge you to go back to the episode of, you know, will I ever have fun again to hear my full episode on that. But I propose an idea that essentially we are falsely associating alcohol with fun. And it's just a matter of retraining our brains to associate these activities with fun and not to associate them with alcohol. And when you can do that, then you'll discover that you can have fun. Number 10, you are not a bad person. You are not a bad person. Shame and guilt can drag us down. And I'm going to combine step uh, truth number 11 here, which is you will need to address shame and guilt. So a lot of times in early sobriety or later sobriety, you know, we are guilty and we feel really bad about a lot of the behaviors that we had. We feel bad about a lot of the relationships that we potentially damaged. We feel uh, shame for a lot of the behaviors that we had. A lot of what I feel isn't necessarily relationships that I've damaged. Um, thank God I was smart enough to save them before things got really bad, but just the the things that I did in active addiction for so many years are incredibly shameful. Um, I was really disrespectful to my own body for many years when it came to men and just kind of sexual intimacy and those relationships. I associated with people that uh, I just, to this day, kind of my skin crawls when I, I think about the things that I've done and the people that I surrounded myself by, but those things do not define me. And those things do not make me a bad person. I have to take ownership for them. I, it's not just good enough to say like, oh, that was me in active addiction. It doesn't count. That's kind of a bit of a cop out. So I do have to take ownership for those behaviors. But I also need to start thinking with the gray, right? Not thinking so black and white about it. So yes, I made those choices with my body, with my behaviors, with the people that I surrounded myself by, with the things that I did. I used to like shoplift, like all this just kooky stuff, take so many drugs. I, I don't even know the, know the name of half the drugs I took, right? So I did all of that. I was a conscious human being when I did all of that stuff. But maybe it's not black and white. Maybe it's not good or bad. 
maybe I can acknowledge that, yes, I was an active addiction. And that was highly influencing my behaviors, as well as my mental illness was not medicated or diagnosed in those years. So I'm just going to acknowledge, again, all the puzzle pieces. I use this analogy a lot because I think it's really appropriate. There's not just one puzzle piece that's going to solve the whole puzzle. We have to put them all together and then we'll get the full picture. So you will need to address shame and guilt. This is going to be part of your healing journey. If you don't address shame and guilt, you will most likely cycle back into addictive behaviors because you're struggling with these feelings of shame and guilt. And I'll talk about um, ways that you can overcome shame and guilt, um, a lot heavily influenced by Brene Brown's work, but I have a really nice session that we can do on the four steps that are required to eliminate that shame and guilt. So keep an eye out for one of those in our uh, odd episodes. Finally, number 12 is find the root and you will find lasting sobriety. I believe this wholeheartedly. I believe that if you can build mental strength, emotional intelligence, and self-awareness, you will get to the root of what is causing you to have these behaviors and your relationship with alcohol. And this will enable you to find lasting sobriety. So picture a three-legged stool and you have sobriety on the top, right? You need your mental strength, your self-awareness and your emotional intelligence. Those are your three legs holding it up. And that is going to support your sobriety. And once you have those three legs, you will be able to get to the root. And without getting to the root, arguably, we might not find lasting sobriety. If you want to get to know to the root, you can check out, go to my website, www.louisebarnett.com. There's a course in there called Stand Up to Alcohol. It's a 30-day course that essentially walks you through those three pillars that will support lasting sobriety for you. So I would recommend that. It's highly affordable to everybody. I, I like to advertise it as a the cost of a beer, right? Um so that's, that's what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you the cost of a beer or a glass of wine. So just head to the website, check it out. Um, it's, you'd be silly not to take advantage of it, quite honestly. So I would definitely check that out. So all in all, for now, just know that this journey is not meant to be easy. It is not meant to be linear or predictable. And it is meant to change your life in ways you never dreamed possible. Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked it, please do not forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. This is the only way we can spread the mission of Together Sober to help individuals find lasting sobriety and mental peace. If you didn't like it, don't even worry about it. You're like totally fine. 